Sustainability Unwrapped, a conversational podcast about responsibility, ethics, inequalities, climate change, and other challenges of our times, where science needs practice to think about our world and how to make our society more sustainable one podcast at a time. Hello and welcome to this episode of Sustainability Unwrapped podcast by Hong Kong School of Economics. On this episode, we will talk about how to create human-centric and sustainable Internet of Things solutions. My name is Kimia Akai, and I will be hosting this episode from Helsinki. I am a first-year doctoral student at marketing department, and I am joined today with Tomi Teiko from Oulu, who is an entrepreneur, futurist in technology, digitization, and IoT solutions. Welcome, Tomi. Would you tell a bit about yourself? Thank you, and lovely, lovely day to be here, and and happy that you invited me for participating. And and uh, about myself, I have a history of nerding, if you can say so. So uh, I have a long history of creating applications, and I actually started myself as a developer mid '80s, so more than 30 years ago. And but but the last uh, more than 25 years, I have been more or less managing uh, teams and projects uh, of creating uh, applications for several industries. And and I have been super lucky when when doing applications for large corporations that I'm, I have been able to be always on the end user side. So talking about the web shops, web banking and mobile applications and and like a consumer applications. And and like six, a little bit six years ago when I joined uh, IoT business, uh, it it was actually a good history from my perspective uh, when, when starting to create business for IoT that I actually had this history of consumer applications uh, to understand the human-centric design. It was a good background for me. So that's shortly me, nerd, and and uh, be person behind of different uh, web shops and web banks and applications. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to hear your stories and thoughts in this issue. So basically in this episode, we're going to talk about customers, Internet of Things, and how these are approaching us to sustainability. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt, IoT, which is Internet of Things, I mean, it refers to physical devices around the world that are now connected to the Internet and all are connecting and sharing data. Without a doubt, IoT is one of the largest enablers for responsible digital transformations as uh, one of the aspects of sustainability. Uh, the World Economic Forum report, which was released in 2018, estimated that industrial IoT, which you are in it right now, can add about $14 trillion of economic value to the economy by 2030. And this report also says that about 84% of IoT de- deployments are currently addressing or have the potential to address the sustainable development goals as defined by the United Nations. So 
this is this is the important effects of IoT on different stakeholders like governments, local, like private sector, regional and national parts of parts of government, as well as development agencies, civil society, and so on. But what I want to talk to today with Tommy is about human as one of the main stakeholders and influential factors in this ecosystem. So Tommy, why do you think we should consider human in designing and developing IoT? And uh, first, would you just explain a bit about what does human-centric mean, actually? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to understand uh, human-centric uh, approach for IoT, uh, I, I would first use one minute to explain how IoT process and how the value happens. Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually quite simple uh, process. There is a three steps when we are talking about creating uh, value or creating business out of IoT. You have sense, you have think, mm -hmm. and you have act. Sense part is that you have some kind of sensor creating the data. Think is that you have some kind of data storage, you know, that you have some kind of cloud or or big data storage where you store and uh, this data and you do some kind of analytics. Mm -hmm. And but then you have the act part, and actually uh, the value happens on act part. So now sense, think, act, and and. You understand when when the value happens in the act part and actually the sense and think part, they are always a cost. And when we are talking about the business modeling of IoT, you, you should always start from the act, mm -hmm. not from sense or think, because they are always a, like a cost part of this thing. And and the problem in this whole IoT business is that it is super uh, sense and think driven. So it's like a it's like a cost that driven in that sense. Mm -hmm. That sometimes I have actually seen startups, new companies popping up, creating sensors and gateways and platforms without any understanding what is the act and and now to understand what act means let's let's have the very very stupid example Let, let's say that we want to use iot to make sure that coffee machine works mm -hmm. because coffee machine as well we know in learning and, and knowledge working environments it's a it's a source of productivity there so, <laughs> You need to have at least in Nordic countries, you know, coffee must be there or otherwise I don't work. Okay, so let's let's have an example of IoT that let's let's have a technical approach how coffee machine works. So and and how we could ensure that from the IoT technology approach, uh, you create a sensor which you attach to this coffee machine, which actually measures the data from the machine, how much you are using it, how, how many lattes you take out, you know, from the device that you can start doing the act, the think part, which is the how many lattes you can do with the two liter milk uh, storage in on that coffee machine. So 
having this think part understand that that when milk will run out when i order or fill 28 uh, lattes <laughs> and and but the act part is that someone actually needs to come uh, to fill that milk into the machine that the next person can have the latte again that's the act part because without the act part that actually someone comes to the machine uh, you the machine doesn't work anymore because you don't have any milk there so the technology act approach is that you put those sensors and and you store you store the data you do the analytics that after five lattes i need to send the message the act act part as a text message to the nearest person who comes in and uh, puts in more more milk okay so that is like a technology approach for the uh, act and or the use case make the coffee machine work all right let's take a human centric approach for this kind of problem solving if if our our act is that we need to provide uh, coffee to people and someone needs to be there on the machine before the milk runs out okay. human as a sensor uh, i have this uh, vision or great uh, uh, kind of uh, idea that we should use more human capacity as an IoT sensor so that uh, instead of having these sensors on that coffee machine and this expensive data lake, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. we could have a simple button next to the coffee machine with, with a label saying that uh, when the milk will run out or there is something wrong with the coffee machine, press the button and after 10 minutes, someone will come and fix the thing. And now, uh, because we as a humans, we, are, we want this coffee experience to continue to our colleagues and friends using the same coffee machine. And we know that it will take minimum 10 minutes that someone comes to bring more milk there. We actually start predicting as a humans, because we want this coffee machine to work. So we start pressing this button uh, on, next to the coffee machine uh, 15 minutes before the milk runs out that someone comes and helps and, and machine are working. So even human and actually can be uh, like a predictive maintenance computer by, by nature. And this means human uh, approach uh, and human as a sensor uh, design approach in on IoT uh, environment, which is actually super technology driven. So, could you somehow use human as a sensor and collect, and you you use our humans uh, to be source of the data instead of these technical solutions, which are of course getting cheaper and cheaper all the time and data lakes, you know, you can buy data storage from Amazon or, or Azure Cloud almost like free. <laughs> so it's not any, any more a cost, but, but uh, this would be like a human-centric uh, problem-solving approach to the IoT process. Yeah, very good elaboration, thank you. Yeah, and I was actually going to go back to this idea of humans and sensors of yours that you have mentioned here and there. 
which was super cool, I think. But as you mentioned, understanding customers towards IoT is the key to find solutions about like IoT deficiencies or develop the IoT in the business. You know, I used to work on a project of implementing smart cities and we were studying all the aspects of the smart city as an ecosystem, different aspects. But it was strange that neither in the academic research nor in real world business cases, people as so-called smart people were not considered as much as other aspects. And this actually come to my mind that to reach to the highest level of productivity and efficiency in any kind of technological ecosystem, like smart cities or smaller ones like buildings, people are the main actors and have important roles. Yes. I mean, <laughs> we, can, we can have fancy technologies and smart devices and everything, but how does it function without people who understand them, like them, and would like to contribute it as, as a kind of example that you just made about contributing with the coffee machine and everything. So, so let's talk a bit about the solutions, actually. Yeah. I know that you are so experienced in ICT innovation and digitalization at the real estate industry with a focusing on doing it human-centric. And you're also co-founder of Empathic Building Startup, yeah. that is a house interface for end-user service, which is super cool. Uh, would you like to explain more about the idea? How does empathic building come to your mind and how does it function and how is it empathic to human and everything? Yeah, all right. Uh, if, if we first start uh, a little bit explaining what empathic building means, uh, mm -hmm. it's it's a little bit uh, still a vision uh, level. Uh, I I strongly believe that future buildings are empathic, meaning that the building or actually the applications in, installed uh, uh, for controlling, for example, indoor air quality, they understand mm -hmm. human uh, quite quite deep level that how how end users are feeling when they are using the physical space, for example, the indoor air quality or lightning or, or service service perspective. So the soft, future softwares would understand how people feel and they start catering the services based on that. And, and this is actually the combination of these kind of techno, technical sensors and, and collecting data from humans and, and using human as a sensor. So uh, let's let's have an example. Uh, in 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 Haltian, the company I work with, they we have designed an aura ring, mm -hmm. which is a quite famous uh, Finnish innovation, collecting biofeedback from the end user that you can measure your pulse quite accurately, and and you can have a data analytics about your sleep sleep and activity and and so on. Mm -hmm. And uh, for these type of wearables, uh, it can be a clock or whatever, ever, it doesn't need to be ring, but whatever wearables that can read our biofeedback, mm -hmm. they are going to be the future uh, sensors to understand how we feel. We can, for example, already uh, measure stress level from pulse 
data collected uh, from me as a human sensor when we understand my bio profile and how my pulse is actually uh, my heartbeat is acting in a different type of stress uh, situations. So uh, the, when, when understand my bio profile and having the real time analytics, the future applications actually can be empathic understanding, for example, my stress or frustration levels. And I predict that the first applications that are going to use this human as a sensor and, and, and like a empathic uh, uh, analytics will be in gaming industry, you know, changing the game uh, uh, difficulty level based on my yeah. frustration as an end user or the, or the player so that they can adjust their uh, difficulty levels. But I predict that this goes to the operating systems when you use your phone and, and it will go to the buildings so that the building automation is starting to cater the uh, exact uh, indoor air quality like temperature and humidity which my biofeedback wearable will detect that I need in that situation. So that means uh, empathic uh, buildings, we are on a journey to there. We are not yet there, but, but that's the uh, future of, of IoT. And, and that's why I also like the uh, human sensor approach, because the most valuable data comes from us, from the end users. Uh, that we can provide the future services and and that goes also to the sustainable world because if if you are setting the indoor air quality based on the actual preferences of the end users the the end result is sustainable anyway because when there is no population mm -hmm. on building which now happens during these COVID times, we are working from home. So, yeah. so buildings are empty and it doesn't make any sense to, you know, uh, cool them or warm. And in all weeks, we need to actually warm buildings and, <laughs> and in, in a more warmer areas, we need to cool them. Both of those needs energy and, and it doesn't make any sense to cool them or heat them if we are not present. And so the human-centric uh, human design and using human as a sensor, we could provide that uh, kind of services which, which creates the best possible end-user experience. And uh, I, we can call it side effect is the sustainable because when we really understand uh, the real-time utilization and the usage, many people are there personalities about the indoor air quality needs uh, that's the future empathy can and sustainable buildings it it's like a core uh, core components of of that sure. and uh, how does it actually function basically uh, every like employee or customer has is is a kind of uh, sensor that exchange data to the building or is it well, kind of you can, yeah 
from the from the technology perspective you can do it uh, multiple ways uh, so you can have uh, sensors installed to the physical space camera sensors uh, movement sensors uh, indoor positioning uh, there are several ways or you can uh, the end users can carry uh, devices which which can uh, discuss between uh, the data collection and and like a, uh, be be like a central source of the of this uh, data collected so there are multiple technologies that we can use and most probably the, probably the future is a combination of different different uh, data sources so it's not like uh, you always like a carrier device which is sending the data sometimes the device can be installed to the building uh, itself and and using analytics like camera analytics and and stuff like that to uh, to collect the data that we need but but of course the future is that that everything will be measured and and recorded and and we will have more and more live data uh, that we can start uh, creating these kind of uh, future end user services yeah interesting um actually what type of challenges have you faced so far in this concept i mean from the customer side or business side for example there might have been some privacy concerns yes. and trust concerns from uh, from the customers or even managers that do not believe you or do not actually trust internet of things per se uh, what were the main challenges that you have faced? Well, I, I think now we are living in the era uh, of uh, when when the like the data collected and and the data we have and applications are actually uh, much much more smarter than uh, we as a humans are. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that uh, applications are already like a intelligent but but for certain data collection and, and certain type of analytics uh, perspective they can process already more faster and more more data than we as a humans and and now actually the you know the uh, responsibility of creating future applications uh, that that are we can call them sustainable or trustful or or you know uh, how you can how you can say that because we need to trust applications and the situation is that that now we cannot uh, we have seen uh, that we all we are already for example we are using the social media data uh, generated and created by us as a humans we are already misusing this data and this misusage is is done by by you know we we are solving we are doing the act part <laughs> uh, yes. so we are solving the use cases uh, which the or data original was not created for and that will be the future anyway you know all these sensors all these cameras all these wearables to fulfill 
the important use case for us. For example, better customer experience, better services. They are actually recording and storing a data which can at the same time violate our privacy while they are fulfilling uh, the most important use cases for us. So the same data is super valuable, uh, but at the same time, super dangerous. At, in, in like a same, actually the same data or the combination of, for example, location and human and feelings on, and biofeedback combination of that can be yeah. useful and harmful same time. And, and unfortunately, we currently, these mega corporations who are using this data, they are not necessary uh, use that data, uh, well, how you can say, res uh, how you say responsibility or, or I mean, ethical way, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and, and now it is super important that during, after now that we are not doing ethical applications, we should now start doing them. Because the only way, every for future, everything will be recorded. Every second, every time when I go where, wherever, wherever, and even inside of my own home, mm -hmm. there will be Facebook and Alexa and, and Apple TV and my phone and my wife's phone and my kid's phone. Yeah. Everything will be recorded, even in my private house. So it is super important that we as an end user, we understand that. And, and uh, I believe that the only way to fix that those mega corporations, which are now brutally using our data, uh, uh, that they should start uh, changing their way of using our data ethical way so that uh, because the other way would be that we should start uh, protecting our data very deep level and maybe maybe the future is combination of that so that uh, let's say that these kind of my data storages my data clouds they are popping up so that all data related to me is owned by me, not the corporation X or, or Y or Z, <laughs> but it's owned by me and I have a full control of that data that I have. And when I give something out to the corporation X, for example, uh, my doctor or, or someone treating me, which is super valuable for me that they have my data because that they can do proper analytics. For example, using my biofeedback for one year would be very valuable data to my doctor, but and, and so on. So me as an end user, I could, you know, uh, fully control what I give out fr from my data, what period of time and fully understand that the company or, or who is using this data, they treat it uh, only for the use case, which is valuable for me and nothing else. What, what a beautiful utopia that you just created. I hope that it will happen someday. Yeah, and, and did you know that we actually, we as an end user, I, I call it uh, end user, uh, like a 
uh, end-user democracy. Mm -hmm. We have a full power make, uh, to make those decisions. We have been criticizing, for example, how Facebook is using our data and necessarily respect our, our privacy mm -hmm. and, and they are using it to make money, which, which is their core business. They want to target better ad, ads for us and, and they are selling our data and that's their business model. But we as end users, we have a full power and full democracy in, in that sense to stop Facebook uh, today, we all delete our Facebook accounts today, mm -hmm. end of business. So we still, as end users, we have full power of controlling who we and who we get the data and what applications and services we are using. And I predict that, that uh, when the understanding uh, of this uh, rises, so we as end users, we understand how our data is used, we, we, we get more tools to control it and, and uh, we start doing these kind of decisions as end users. We start consuming more uh, sustainability, sustainable way and uh, because we have that power, you know, if we want to, uh, you know, stop the climate change uh, by eating less meat, we can do it today. Mm -hmm. We can make, we as end users, we have a full power to make that decision today, you know, by stop, you know, drop half um, meat, half from our diet today. We have a full power for to do that. Yeah. That's, that's what I call like end user uh, power of, of make, making sustainable selections in our daily life. Yeah, which is a great like point of view because this is the one of the other reasons that we have to have like human human view from the IOS IT solutions because humans and as you mentioned end users and as I mentioned customers should have the power yes. to, to change everything and so on. Uh, but how about the how about the culture of the customers? Was it a, a kind of challenge? For example, uh, you have I th I know that you have presented your product as empathic building in different countries, right? Yes. Uh, how did different cultures encounter these services? I mean, it's actually, it's actually not 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 so deeply affected by the uh, like a country level uh, culture. Mm -hmm. It's it's more the effect is more on on like a work cultural perspective. So uh, and I have seen we have now installations almost in soon we will have installation in twenty different countries, and and one one thing which is common which we can see from the empathic building data is that that how people and end users are using the solution. And and uh, what and what they are using it for? Uh, the only difference between different countries and inside of the even even inside of the large corporation mm -hmm. is the actual work culture. So people and end users who has more open like uh, uh, sharing and and feedback culture, they are generating more quality data using empathic building as a, as a tool, how they collaborate, how they 
you know, interact and so on. This is a clearly visible. And, and I have not seen a difference, uh, the country level differences. Of course, uh, there are some, uh, meaning that, for example, we have customers in Japan. They have a totally different uh, work culture there. But even in Japan, I can see uh, companies and teams who already have a similar work culture than, for example, our customer in Norway or in Sweden or, or in Finland. So uh, somehow, I, uh, and, and of course, this might be so that, that the companies who are currently uh, empathic building customers, uh, they actually already have uh, this similar type of work culture on their organizational level already. So no, no matter which country they are. But of course, we see that there is a different type of market potential in, in different uh, countries and different areas. But, it, but I can see even, even that, that, for example, in India, there are lots of uh, companies who are sharing the same work culture than in companies we have customers in, in Nordic countries. So, okay. so somehow I see the future also that that when, when our planet uh, uh, shrinks in that sense because of the real-time data and, and connectivity and these digital tools that we can several at the same time. So this will boost up uh, uh, these kind of unified working cultures where the actual cultural and historical effect is not so heavily involved. And, and and we can even, I could even predict that because of how we are using these digital tools, uh, let's say that, for example, when we started this, uh, uh, recording this, mm -hmm. uh, we didn't physically met. So, yeah. so there was no way of we interacting same way that we would do it when we would be in the same studio or in same location. So what happens now is that when, when we are more interacting with other people through these digital channels and different teams and Zooms and, and go to meetings and whatever <laughs> uh, digital tools, uh, these kind of cultural things, they are a little bit staying back, you know, there as a background. Because when, when I go to Japan, there is this uh, culture in, in business to business meetings where you share your business card uh, and you, you have these certain cultural routines that you do with, with Japanese uh, customers, mm -hmm. but you actually don't do them when you have this Teams meeting because you cannot exchange this business card like you do in uh, physically in the same room. So uh, it might be that the future of using these digital tools will actually shape our uh, ways of working. And, and, and is there going to be like a digital uh, culture 
that is popping up. I don't know, but but this might be something uh, which which is the outcome of the of, of these uh, digital tools and and actually this remote work and and uh, digital yeah. tools use it. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, uh, it actually raised the idea. Ten years uh, cultural, digital ways of working, cultural jump. Yeah, exactly. one day. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, and yeah. actually raised the the idea of a global village, something that uh, everything would be the same in the future. And uh, you know, there was uh, Remco Degman has had an article about the different cultures uh, that IoT business models should be like uh, in different cultures should be implemented differently. But there was another. I don't yeah, that at all. Yes, I was going to that. There was another article like five years later that actually uh, rejected this idea that and uh, just brought up the idea that you just said uh, that it will become a more common kind of spirit during using these kinds of digital and uh, IoT solution devices. Yeah I, yeah, I strongly believe that, and and that, that was a funny funny thing. Read read the uh, article today that that uh, usage of word lockdown has mm -hmm. increased six thousand percent percent than than it was a one year ago. So yeah, so these kind of things they. When when things happen that we must do something, it actually speeds uh, the development huge way, and and you know that the world is never going to be the same from the digital working cultural perspective, and I think that has a direct correlation to, to this uh, discussion we have about is there a different kind of cultural ways that. You, we should design our IoT business and, and these future digital twins and augmented and virtual reality is what we are we are doing because the empathic building is actually a digital copy of the work environment where we where we make the invisible data visible and I don't see uh, the tool perspective any difference which country we do the installation. Of course, there is always a country-specific content, and mm -hmm. and you know, and and little bit different ways how end users are using the platform uh, and the digital twin. But the business model and and the actual service is is uh, common. So I, when companies who are listening this and they are thinking the design. And, and should they create like a different uh, go-to-market uh, business models uh, with with IoT to the different countries? I think only only technology perspective, not not cultural perspective. So, for example, in some countries there is no uh, wireless. Uh, there is only like wireless connectivity. Like in developing African countries, they have more better wireless connectivity than wired. Uh, connectivity and maybe those kind of approach, technological uh, approach, but but I I don't believe this kind of difference cultural perspective. Yeah, interesting. How
time. So as my last question, okay. I would like to ask, uh, what do you think are the gaps that have not filled yet uh, for, for this area? I mean, for younger researchers or tech developers that are thinking about uh, in terms of IoT solutions and sustainability, what do you think is haven't haven't been done yet? And uh, you, re you really saw that to as a need in the market and industry. Yeah, uh, like in most of the uh, involving and, and developing technical and, and, and future uh, development, it's us humans. <laughs> so we are the only element actually slowing the development down and, and there are uh, two main reasons. One main reason is the competence. So we are talking about the real-time data processing and things which didn't exist 10 years ago. So we didn't even have a school that could prepare us for this kind of technology kind of thing. So we, we definitely have a have a, this kind of competence gap, which is slowing this down. And, and I think that's the, the most uh, biggest uh, slowing factor when talking about the global uh, IoT business uh, involvement. And, and the second biggest thing is us as a humans. So, uh, and a little bit related to the competence, but also the way, how, for example, how our brains work. So I, I went, school 30 years ago there was nothing related to me about real-time data processing ai robotics <laughs> nothing learned and and my whole brain is actually uh started to categorize world from that perspective like let's call it analog world perspective and and now uh, when i would need to learn new things it actually might be that it it is super heavily uh, violating how this information is originally stored to my head. And actually, I should use quite a lot amount of energy to override that and even change the way things on in, uh, inside of my brains. And quite many people and more older you get, more difficult it is. So we see the generation of people who are, doesn't want to spend that energy of changing their thinking related to the new technology and new research and, and the, how, how fast the technology is evolving. So humans, we are the slowing part of the equation. Why, why these kind of IoT and real-time data processing kind of business areas are not rapidly, for example, changing the way, for example, how we do business in real estate uh, area. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, though I think the only, only way to change that is that, that either we wait until there is a new generation coming <laughs> or <laughs> We constantly start uh, and actually patiently start uh, discussing and educating these existing decision makers yeah. in, a, in a very key positions that they start spending some energy 
<laughs> to yeah. overriding things that they have learned 40, 50 years ago. Because those are the persons now making our decisions of our future generations. And, and they are goddamn slowing this thing down. Everyone, you know, uh, should spend some energy to think about that and, and evaluate uh, your own online and the new data which is there available every day. Yeah, thank you. I think it's it's it was a good conclusion. So <laughs> just just uh, focusing on the importance of studying human perspectives about these all these kinds of technology and innovations and everything. So, yeah, uh, I think that I think that we are and uh, I just hope that I we could have raised some question marks in the audience's head about this particular area to think about hey humans and other situations especially business schools and marketing researchers and everything uh, thank you very much Tommy it was thank such you. an interesting conversation thank you for joining us thanks <laughs>